Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thanks, Kelly. Awesome. You guys can be seated. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to show up on time next week because it's going to be packed out <laughs> here. So make sure you come, grab a seat. We can't wait to, to be with you and celebrate with you. Um, well, at this time, we are going to return our tithes and so our offerings this morning. So if this is your church family, your home church, and you're, you, know, you feel like you're a member, we believe in the first fruits, returning the first fruits of what we have back to the Lord in obedience to him. And if you are visiting and this is your first time, or maybe you're a guest, please don't feel under any obligation to give, but you're welcome to sow in an offering. Um, I know you guys just sat down, but let's stand together because we're going to pray over our, our giving this morning. So, all right. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us. I thank you that as we walk in obedience, your promise to us is that you will bless us. You will pour out um, favor, peace, blessings, love, joy upon us. And so this morning, it's our joy to return what is yours back to you, Lord. It's our joy to partner with you and sow into your kingdom, Lord. We pray that we would see a harvest, a plentiful harvest. Fill us, Lord, with dreams and visions for your kingdom and what you want to do for our businesses and what you want to do and how we can steward all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you, church family, so much for last week with our Legacy Sunday, our Mission Sunday. That was an incredible time. Let's give a hand to uh, Santa and to Justin and everyone that was involved in making it happen. Through your generosity, we were able to sow over $15,000 into missions, and we're just so thankful to the Lord. Yeah, so what an amazing Christmas gift for so many of those people that are faithfully serving, and we're just excited for all God is doing in the earth and right here in Durham and how we get to be part of that. I loved what Aaron said, like, this is all of our story. This is all of our story, and so I'm just thankful to the Lord for that and for such an incredibly generous church family. We love you all. Thank you. This morning, it is my joy today to speak on an Advent message. This morning, I'm going to be speaking on the theme of peace, and peace is a person. And so the cool thing about Advent, and you know, Advent isn't in the Bible, but it's something that the church has adopted uh, throughout the, the years, and mainly more traditional churches. But it's cool that this morning, we're joining in with thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people reading the same passage of scripture this morning surrounding the the theme of peace. And Advent means the arrival. And it's all about a time of reflection, reflecting on the arrival of Jesus, what that looks like for us, what that means for us today, and how he's coming. Well, he's coming back. He's already come and he's coming back. And we need to be intentional intentional about anticipating his coming, reflecting on that he came as a baby. I was just getting wrecked singing that song, Come All You Faithful, and just crying, thinking about how Jesus could have parted the skies and blown a trumpet and come down and been like, here I am, I'm the Messiah. But I was thinking about like just the stillness of that night and what that would have been like and how earth didn't know what was happening in that moment. But it was an incredible moment. And so I challenge each and every one of us in this busy season for us to take time to reflect. 
for us to really be intentional about being in our scripture and reading about Jesus and his coming and his arrival. Raise your hand if you've already been to a Christmas party or you have one coming up. Okay, there's only a few party people in the place. Come on. (laughs) But it's a time of busyness. The world makes it busy with all the performances and all the production, the end of year this and end of year that. But really, let's, let's be different than the world and take time to slow down, take time to reflect and think about Jesus. All right, so we're going to read today from Matthew 3, 1 through 12. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear the th- his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. All right. <laughs> so this is the, the Advent verse, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, how am I supposed to get peace out of this? Come on, as I'm preparing. Anyone else? You're reading this, and you're like, huh? But as we read this, we actually are having an opportunity to witness John the Baptist preaching an Advent message. He's preaching about the arrival of this coming kingdom. He's saying, he has arrived. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is at hand. Therefore, repent. And the kingdom that he's speaking of, the kingdom that he's announcing, this advent that he's declaring, is a kingdom of peace. And peace is a person. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is not a feeling based on circumstances. Peace is a person. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have peace? Do you have peace? It's a pondering question. You don't have to answer it. It's rhetorical. <laughs> but he's, John the Baptist is announcing and, and proclaiming about this coming kingdom that is, it's coming, it's here, it's at hand. It's this, this kingdom and government, this kingdom of peace. And when we receive the, when we receive the kingdom of Jesus through Advent, we receive the opportunity to receive peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Isn't that the good news, the gospel, that we, through Jesus, through the coming of Jesus, we get to receive peace this morning? That's amazing news. So let's look at how peace jumps out in this text. So John is saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a kingdom of peace. And Paul later writes in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, 
peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So God is describing what his kingdom is like and what our experience shall be like in his kingdom. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of joy and peace. And this is what the advent came to bring us. This is what Jesus's arrival came to bring us. So John is saying the kingdom is here. The kingdom is within reach. And we know now it's a kingdom of peace. It's a government of peace. We see in the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesying in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. He says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government or the kingdom shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. What that means is there is nothing in this world, there is nothing, no situation, no circumstances, no person that can ever squash the government of peace, the kingdom of peace that is God's. Amen? Nothing. And when we look at this world and we look at the news and we turn on, you know, whatever news channel and we hear of all the crazy things, we go online and we see all of the things that are happening in this country and in this world, I want to say to you this morning that of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. There is nothing that can squash the peace that the kingdom of God brings. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) So that's what the Messiah comes to bring to us. So John the Baptist is making this announcement, preaching this Advent message, and he's saying, I want all of you to repent, which means change the way that you think, because an Advent has happened, this kingdom is here, and it's a kingdom of peace. So what is peace? We hear about peace a lot. We see it everywhere. We see peace signs. We hear, peace out, deuces. We end our phone call, all right, brother, peace, right? So as any good preacher does, I I went to Google, and I Googled, what is peace? But I'm interested in how culture defines a term, right? Because it's often different than the way the Bible defines a term, and it gives me the opportunity as the believer to choose God's way over culture's way. So Google uses the Oxford Dictionary, but this is what it said. Peace is freedom from disturbance. I read that, and I was like, hallelujah, I could use some of that. I've got four kids. Amen? Any parents in the room? Freedom is peace. uh, Peace is freedom from disturbance. Peace is also tranquility. I'm pretty sure I've been to a day spa, gotten a massage at tranquility day spa. Anyways, just me. But all of those things sound amazing. I'm like, I am, I'm gelling with Google's definition of peace, freedom from disturbance, tranquility. I want some of that peace. But culture says that peace is tranquility, good vibes, positive vibes, no drama, bruh. Just kumbaya, harmony. It's, I'm trying to relax, leave me alone, I need me time, I need to be away from my kids, I need peace. But if that is exactly the definition of peace and what Jesus' advent came to bring us, then why do we not experience that in our day-to-day? Hmm, things that make you go, hmm. (laughs) And I was, as I was mulling on this, I was thinking maybe there's, Potentially two possibilities for that. Number one, culture and maybe us are not doing what John said we needed to do, which was repent. 
See, repentance is a prerequisite for the peace of God that comes with his kingdom. Number two, maybe we're looking at it from the wrong vantage point. See, if we only utilize culture's definition of peace, then we get a watered-down, mediocre, shallow definition of what peace really is. See, peace isn't just freedom from disturbance and tranquility. It's so much more than that. It's not as deep and as satisfying as God's definition of peace. And we're going to get the opportunity to get that peace today that God wants to bring us. Amen? Culture's definition of peace, of good vibes only, is not enough. Being alone is not enough. Going to a day spa is not enough. As much as I enjoy those things, they're not enough. But what I really, truly need, the peace I actually need, is a deep soul peace that transcends my circumstances, that surpasses all of my understanding and rests in my heart and my spirit. It's a peace that when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I'm like, my soul is at peace. My soul is at rest. I I want an experience that goes beyond anything that I'm, any of my situations, and it goes beyond anything that I could achieve in life by a lack of disturbance. I want something that goes far beyond that. Are you with me? (laughs) We all need something so much more than just being left alone so that we can pursue our own versions of personal bliss. We cannot allow culture to force feed us its definition for something like peace. You know, it's, it may make for an enjoyable Pilates session, <laughs> but it's not going to suffice if we want an anchored life. And that's what we want, right? We want an anchored life. We want to be people that are standing on a firm foundation. We want to be built upon the rock, right? And not the sand. Come on. We need something greater. We need God's definition. And we need to be discerning like John the Baptist. Here he is, he's discerning and he's prophesying and being prophetic because one of the things that we need to acknowledge is here in America, peace is a big business. Peace has become commercialized, commodified, monetized, and incentivized for us. You can buy your peace. You can buy your peace with a buy one, get one free Massage. You can buy your peace with an all-inclusive resort, nannies included. You can buy your peace at the dispensary. You can buy your peace at the ABC store. See what I mean? We have a whole, there's whole merchandise that's like peace signs, good vibes, all of that. We have to be discerning, church, about what The world is trying to feed us versus what the kingdom should be feeding us. And we've been sold a lie by culture that says that true peace is being protected from anything that agitates you. And it's going to isolate us and entertain us to distract us from the fact that we actually don't have true peace at all. And the best version of peace that that the world has to offer us is temporary relief from our discomfort in the form of 
soulish entertainment. I'm going to entertain you. I'm going to isolate you. You need to be alone to have your peace. You need to be entertained to have your peace. And all it is is just detached entertainment for us. But all of us human beings are born in the same condition. Without Christ, we are, without Christ, we are lonely. We are sad, we're lonely, we're miserable in our hearts, we're desperate, we're in desperate need of a savior. That's why he came. That's why the advent was necessary because he saw the state of humanity and he said, I have to intervene. <laughs> I need to come. I need to make a way to, to save humanity because humanity's heart is aching for something greater. Through Jesus, we have that. So I was, um, I was on Instagram and I was just, you know, scrolling. <laughs> one night. And I saw this clip from this Joe Rogan podcast. And if you know Joe Rogan, he is one of the largest uh, podcasters in the world. He is the biggest podcast in the world, actually. And he was interviewing this guy who, it was kind of interesting at, at first, I got kind of hooked. He was talking about how he was doing drugs and he met God, or like he believed in God. And I was like, oh, wow, like, did he have like this encounter with God? Like, what happened? And then he was just saying how yeah, I, I did drugs and then I just believed. I was like, okay. And he's like, it wasn't really this like relational thing. It wasn't really like this embodied thing or personal. It was just kind of like I believed. And I was like, that is interesting. Um, things that make you go, hmm. But I was listening to that and I thought all of this whole thing I'm listening to is devoid of peace. Because when you meet Jesus, you, it's not that you just believe in God, but you come into this moment, this beautiful exchange where it's, I love you and you love me. I know you and you know me. It's so much more. This peace, this kingdom is a relational kingdom. It's a kingdom of connection. It's a kingdom of relationship. Peace is not isolation, it's connection. And drugs don't bring you peace. They bring you temporary relief from discomfort. They allow you to detach, but peace is not detachment. It's connection. You have to understand that the best that the world has to offer us is to isolate yourself, detach, get some me time, get some alone time, and then you'll feel peace. But true peace is I'm going to lean in. I'm going to connect. I'm going to, I'm not going to isolate. I'm going to push in. I'm going to lean in. This is a relational kingdom. We, and that's why we have to cling to the person of Jesus. And Jesus is peace. Peace is a person. Jesus is the prince of peace. So in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, uh, they would often greet one another with, or bid farewell with the word shalom. And shalom means peace. But peace was irreplaceable to the lives of the Jewish people. They knew that in order to move forward in life into anything, that they needed to be completely dependent on God's grace and God's peace. So beautiful. And they recognized that peace was an essential component to living a satisfied life. And so shalom, primarily in the Old Testament, means three different things. Number one, it means welfare. So when someone says shalom, they're meaning be blessed with good welfare. 
Number two, it means prosperity. Be blessed with God's prosperity. Number three, wholeness. Be made whole by the peace of God. Have wholeness in your heart because you have peace. How many of you guys want those things? Me. Welfare, prosperity, wholeness. That sounds amazing. And when we look at those things in the Old Testament, we're like, that's awesome. I want that. I need that. But now we're in the new covenant, in the New Testament. And we don't get to just receive those attributes of peace. By Jesus Christ, we actually get to receive the person of peace. It's so much better than just receiving the attributes of peace. We actually get to receive the person of peace. And his name is Jesus. We get everything that shalom has to offer through Jesus, but we get more because we get connection, we get intimacy, we get relationship, we get fellowship. We have the opportunity because of Advent to know who peace is, to actually get to know who peace is. By Jesus coming, peace became personified. It's a person. Thank you, Jesus. And we're no longer reaching for the attributes of what peace feels like, but we're actually embracing the person of peace in our lives. And that means that we regardless of our circumstances. It means it doesn't matter what was happening this morning. It doesn't matter what I'm going through right now. It doesn't matter what I'm facing in my life, in my marriage, at my job. If you have access to Jesus, you have access to peace. And that's not to negate or belittle what you're going through, but that's to give us hope that we have access through Jesus to him. That it's despite my circumstances, I still have access to him. Despite my circumstances, I'm actually going to lean in to connection. I'm not going to isolate. I'm going to press in. So that is what Jesus, or what John the Baptist is saying. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peace is not being left alone, but peace is relationship with Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. So what is the biblical definition of peace? It's peace is an experiential state of harmony available to all believers through having a right relationship with God and others and is especially associated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. So how many of you guys have been in the presence of of the Holy Spirit and you feel anyone that's because you just encountered the prince of peace that's because you're in the presence in the proximity in the nearness of the prince of peace because peace is a person have you guys ever hung out with someone who's like a big visionary or dreamer and like you leave that conversation and you're like yes i'm gonna do amazing things i'm gonna do this this and this and this and you're like all the dreams in your heart anyone (laughs) well it could be like other personality traits when you hang out with someone you end up kind of becoming like someone they rub off on you in the same way when we hang out with peace when we spend time with Jesus when we hang out with Jesus we spend time with him the prince of peace we see peace ruling and reigning in our life and we become we walk more in the peace that we're with And it made me think of maybe a lack of peace is actually a deficiency of intimacy with him. It's not that I need more alone time. It's that I need more time with him. 
It's that I need more time spent in prayer, communing. What a joy it is to commune with you. I love that tag that Aaron wrote and was singing. It's, none of it is a chore. It's a beautiful exchange, this relationship where I spend time with him. He pours into me. I leave his presence better than I came in. I leave his presence more transformed than when I came in. I want to be with him. And maybe I want to propose that if you're feeling torn up on the inside and you're feeling like I need more me time, start first with spending time with the Lord. Start first with meditating in his word, in his scripture. Start by praying. Start by worshiping. Spend time with him. Your circumstances on the outside might not change, but your spirit is anchored in him. And you're fighting from a place of victory. (laughs) in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit. That's what we need because it brings about the peace. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. If we have access to Jesus, we have access to peace. It's not that if you want peace, you need less drama. No, (laughs) it's you need more Jesus. (laughs) We're desperate. If we're desperate for peace, we don't need a watered-down commercialized version of good vibes only. We need raw intimacy with our Savior. Come on. So it's important to understand this and recognize this, which is why John the Baptist is preaching repent. So what is repentance? Repentance means change the way that you think by intentionally turning away from wickedness and sinfulness and turning towards righteousness and holiness. I love that phrase, intentionally. It is me choosing to be intentional, not passive. We do not live in, or we do not walk in a passive religion, all right? We walk in a relational, active, beautiful relationship with Jesus. And it requires something of us, guys. If you want to be comfortable, Christianity is not for you. There are many moments where we set goal as the, or we set comfort as the goal of our Christianity, and it just cannot be that. But it requires us to turn away from our sinful ways. It requires us to turn away from our wicked ways and turn towards something. We're not just turning away into nothingness. We're turning towards our Savior. We're turning towards His ways, His righteousness, His holiness. And what that means is you stop doing things your way and you start doing things God's way. And I think often we think that repentance is like a magic trick where we're in worship and we all of a sudden we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit for something we did and then we repent and poof, boom, that's it. I'm good now. I'm going to go about my way. I'm going to continue living my life the way I was just living it. But I'm good now because I repented. And we do want to confess sin and we do want to repent. But it's, it's not that. It's actually being sorrowful in our hearts and saying, Jesus... I'm repenting, and I'm actively turning towards you and turning away from what I used to do, which was sin, and I'm turning towards you. Lord, will you forgive me? (laughs) Thank you that you've washed me clean. It's making an intentional decision to live life differently. And we need an upgrade in our understanding of what repentance is. Anytime that we... um, Yeah, anytime that we need an upgrade in our thinking, we need to walk in repentance, 
repent for our old thinking and ask the Lord, show us something new, show us something greater than that. Often when I talk about repentance, people are like, huh, I've already done that. I've already said, like, I've already asked Jesus into my life. I've already repented for my sins. And that's not what I'm necessarily talking about. And I feel like repentance can sometimes feel triggering for people. But there's this quote of Bill Johnson. He says this, most people have repented enough to get into the kingdom. They've not repented enough to see the kingdom. Mic drop. He'll be here in January. (laughs) Get your tickets. (laughs) But repentance is an ongoing thing, like sanctification. It's not a one-time act. It's an ongoing thing that we should be doing every day when we're coming into, we're falling into temptation. We're falling into negative thinking. We're falling into gossip. We're falling into whatever it is. Fill in the blank for your life. We repent. We turn from our ways. Because there's a kingdom of peace that is here. A kingdom that is within reach, right? The Holy Spirit wants to upgrade us, guys. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where God wants to do the work first. He wants to renew our mind, transform our mind, and we need to walk in repentance. And this could be, we need to repent for the way that maybe we've looked at peace from our childhood. Maybe our parents have shown us a way of peace that while it may have been good, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily God's true way. Or maybe our teachers, maybe they've shown us a bad example of what peace is. And we need to repent for our judgments against them and walk in repentance. We want God's vantage point and his perspective on this. Sometimes I think that what hinders us from walking in in repentance is we think that we are too far from God. We are too far away. We've done too much wrong. But the amazing thing about this kingdom is that it's drawing near. Is that it doesn't matter. You may have done wrong. You may be so far. But Jesus is drawing even closer and even nearer. And there's nothing that could stop his love. There's nothing that can stop. It's not our hard work that earns us this gift of salvation, this gift of righteousness and holiness, it's, it's the work of the cross. It's not our work. And so if we repent and we receive this peace that has been made available to us through Jesus, then his peace will crash into our worlds and it will upgrade us on everything that we thought peace could ever be. And we'll go from peace's tranquility in a day spa to peace surpasses all understanding and peace rests in my spirit and peace the person of peace is my rock and my foundation and it doesn't matter what the world tries to throw me it doesn't matter what assignment hell tries to come at me with is I am resting and living and dwelling with the prince of peace that is what has been made available to us today through the advent the arrival of Jesus so how do we get this peace number one I said we repent As human beings, we look for peace in all the wrong places. You know, we might call our best friend as something bad happens. The first thing we do, it's not turn to the Lord. It's call my best friend, (laughs) call my sister, tell her what's going on, get her opinion. We maybe binge watch a Netflix show for four hours. (laughs) We maybe eat a whole bucket of fried chicken at Bojangles, guys. (laughs) That may be tasty, (laughs) But it's not going to bring the peace that our soul actually needs. And those are even maybe like 
healthier versions on the spectrum of what we do. It could be, I'm going to pop this pill bottle. It might be, I need peace, so I'm going to go get drunk. It might be, I, I just am really overwhelmed. I need peace. I need comfort. I'm going to go look at pornography. And maybe I'm going to shop online and overspend because I need peace right now. These are solutions that the world has to offer us, but they are temporary detachment for the purpose of momentary entertainment so that we can forget the peace that we don't actually have. It's pseudo peace. It's not true peace. Duncan said it's indulgence what the world has to offer us. We need something deeper. So we have to repent for looking for peace in all the wrong places. So where do we look for peace in the wrong places? Two places, people and possessions. Number one, maybe our parents. I would have peace if my dad had been nicer to me growing up. Well, thank goodness for Advent and Jesus who says, hi, my name is Everlasting Father. If we have access to the everlasting father, then we have access to all the healing that we need to walk through the pain and the forgiveness of what our parents have done to us through our childhood. I would have peace, pastor, if I had a boyfriend. I would have peace if I had a girlfriend. I, all the married people are like, I don't get it. I'm in marital bliss. But if you've been actively single, you know what I'm talking about. I've been waiting I would have peace if I had kids. Well, that is an incredibly misappropriated term. Um, (laughs) Let me tell you, there is no peace at four in the morning when your baby has been crying all night long and Aaron's sleeping peacefully beside me. (laughs) And the baby monitor goes off and you know what I do? Well, what I did, Lord, forgive me. No, not every time, but I would pull off the covers so that it would wake him up. And then I'd stomp out of the room and be like, she's up again. (laughs) Because dark thoughts come over you at four in the morning. But thank goodness I have the Holy Spirit (laughs) who forgives me and and challenges me and says, no, that's not my way. Stomping out of the room. (laughs) I need some peace. And God's not giving it to me. So I'm going to go out and find it in a one-night stand. I'm going to swipe right. No, you're going to get momentary detachment from your discomfort, and you're going to settle for a little stimulation. That is not true peace. Number two, we look for peace through our possessions, through our money. We've heard time and time again, if I just had this net worth, then I would have peace. Then I would, all of my problems would go away. But we've seen People all through history who have all the money in the world, but they're, they don't have relationship with their kids. Some of them commit suicide. Maybe they're divorced. They're, it's like they're miserable on the inside. They have a yacht, but they don't have peace. Fame and popularity. If I had this many subscribers on my YouTube, this many followers on my Instagram, this many likes on my TikTok, then I would find peace. Well, peace is not a blue check mark. Peace is a person. If I had... This, my dream house, I would have peace. I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like five years ago, we bought our house, which for us was like, it was, it was our dream house. Like we're living in a, ho- in a home that was a miracle story from God. And we're so thankful for it. 
But when I was living in Mozambique for six months and I was living in this concrete house where we had maybe like four hours of electricity a day and I'm hauling my water from my shower on my head, walking with it, and there's rats climbing in the rafters of my house, like their body was like this big and their tail was, and they're like stalking like this. I'm telling you, I had as much peace then as I do now in my dream home. I'm serious because peace is not how many possessions I have, what house I live in, what car I drive. It's none of that. Peace is so much more than that. I would have peace if I could travel all over the world. Guys, I want to go to Bora Bora so bad. I want to go be in those houses on the stilts, the hotels on the stilts. But there's something even better than Bora Bora, heaven. (laughs) And the presence of Jesus, and the presence of Jesus, I have more than enough in his presence than any vacation destination, I promise you. If you want to achieve the American dream, I can tell you, there will be some good things that come out of that. But one thing that is not embedded in the American dream is peace. And the thing about dreaming is you have to be sleeping. And if achieving the American dream causes you to be in a spiritual slumber, then it is not worth it. Peace cannot be achieved. Peace can only be received. Peace cannot be manufactured because peace is an impartation of a person. You can't conjure it up. You can't create it. It doesn't matter what you get in this life, people or possessions. It's impossible to be achieved. It can only be received. So what God has for us is true peace. And there are four things I wrote here. True peace is knowing these four things. Number one, I am right with God. Everyone take a deep sigh. I have been made right with God. What that means is your sins have been forgiven. Your slate is wiped clear. Your debt has been paid. We have been made right with God. There is not a God who's angry at you. There's not a God that is frustrated at you messing up again and again. You have been made right with God because of Jesus Christ and his blood that has paid your sins and forgiven your debt. Thank you. There's a few excited people about that. I'm, I'm grateful for not in, eternal damnation, guys. Come on. Number two. I need not fear condemnation. There is no room for the enemy to heap condemnation on you. We do not need to fear condemnation. God has given us not a spirit of fear. Peace. Sound mine. Thank you. There you go. Number three, God will supply all of my needs. We can rest in peace because we know this, that everything I need is found in him. Even if I don't achieve it in this life, we don't live for right here, guys. We live for an eternity. And all of my needs are supplied in him. In heaven, there's a place for me. I am seated in the heavenly places. I have more than enough. God will supply all of my needs. God will take care of me. I don't need to depend on my boss for my promotion. I don't need to depend on the government for my checks, whatever it is. I can depend on him because God will supply all of my needs. And number four, peace is my portion forever. Jesus has made a way for us to spend eternity with him. And the Prince of Peace has made himself 
available to us, and our portion forever is him. It's his peace. I want to invite you to stand. As I was preparing this week and just thinking about, Jesus, what do you want to do today? I felt like I wanted us to receive that impartation of peace. It's not what we can achieve. It's not what we can create or conjure up. It's, it's an impartation and an encounter with a person. And I feel like this morning, I want to invite forward anyone who, hopefully it's all of us, really, that wants to encounter the Prince of Peace this morning. There's a moment, yeah, you can come forward. I'm going to invite those that want to receive an impartation of the Holy Spirit this morning and his peace to come forward. And we're going to have our ministry team just walk around and just lay hands on you. But I feel like it starts this morning with repentance. It starts with us being made right with God, with us coming before him and saying, Lord, I am so sorry for all of the ways that I have tried to find peace outside of you. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done to try and numb my pain or numb the the void in my heart. Just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a moment and just receive his forgiveness this morning. Just take a moment to repent. And if you don't know where to start, just start with this. Lord, I'm so sorry. The truth is I've tried to, I've tried to do things my way and I want to do things your way. Just let that forgiveness just wash over you. Just let him draw close to you this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come? Touch each and every heart here, Lord. Would your peace rest upon their hearts? Would you draw near to us this morning? that despite our circumstances, Lord, despite what we're going through, despite the anxieties or the, the depression, the loneliness that might plague us, Lord, thank you that you are greater and that your desire for us is to walk in freedom. Your desire for us is to walk in peace. So just come and fill our hearts this morning. We look to you, Lord. We don't look to our a person. We don't look to our things. We look to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.